Well, I invite you now to turn with me in the Bible to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, we're continuing our uh, series through that part of Scripture, and we've introduced it in the last couple of weeks, especially, let's see, two weeks ago, we gave a more extended introduction. I know folks have been in and out with sickness and maybe travel and, and other, other commitments. So if you missed that, you want to kind of get up to speed, especially the message two weeks ago, you can find online. I think that's the right one. We'll, we'll have, you know, 10 or 12 minutes at least at the beginning of the message. It'll get you, get you oriented to the general background of the book of 2 Corinthians. And, of course, uh, I guess we're just four weeks, three weeks, four weeks into it. So probably, probably if you missed all of those, it, it wouldn't take you too much time to, to listen through those and, and get caught up. But we're in 2 Corinthians today, chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 14 and then into chapter 3 as well. I think you'll find it a little more compact, a little more straightforward than some of the other weeks. We've sort of had to plow through some, some ground to, to get our start going here in 2 Corinthians. And we, we've said that an overall overarching title or heading for this particular message series all the way through 2 Corinthians uh, might be this, uh, Receiving Christ's Ministry Through the Church for Life Transformation. So Receiving Christ's Ministry Through the Church for Life Transformation. And I mentioned already a couple of weeks, we, we probably like the life transformation part. That sounds appealing. Most of us want to generally improve our lives if we can. Uh, the part about receiving the ministry of Christ we connect with because you're here today, and even if you're, you're not sure where you stand with Jesus, you're not sure what you believe about the things of Jesus, you're here at church, so you must think there's something there in, in Christ, and, and a number of us have come to, to a saving relationship with Christ, and so we recognize the benefits of Jesus. The, the, the harder part for us to, I think, digest, that 2 Corinthians just keeps keep hammering home, is the middle part of that. So receiving the ministry of Christ through the church, for life transformation. It's the through the church part that sometimes is a little challenging for us because when the Apostle Paul says that, he doesn't mean just sort of attending and participating in church. I mean, that's a good first start. But he really means that we're connecting deeply in the community of the church. We're benefiting from even the accountability and authority of the church in our lives. Those are things that we don't digest as well as the first and the last parts of that statement. So we're going to continue to be unpacking that week by week. And today in particular, we're going to look at what Paul says about where he has confidence and where he gets his commendation or affirmation from in the ministry that he's been called to. And what we'll hopefully see, it'll inform what we think about in terms of the ministry that comes to us through our, through our church body. And then hopefully help us think about, as, as we recognize in the Bible, Ephesians 4 says that my job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. You all are saints. That's every believer is a, is a saint, the Bible teaches. That, that means that you and I all have a ministry, not just the person with REV before, you know, his name. We all have a ministry. So we can be thinking today, what is our confidence? What is our commendation for the ministry that God has given to each one of us as we read uh, these verses, perhaps. So, read along with me. 2 Corinthians, uh, you all read along silently, I'll read aloud. 2 Corinthians, starting in chapter 2, verse 14. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of Him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God 
among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one, a fragrance from death to death. To the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. In chapter 3, just the first couple of verses. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation, written on our hearts, to be known and read by all. And you know that you are a letter from Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, help us to understand what it means to be a church centered around the right confidence and the right commendation for the ministry that you've called us to. And Lord, help us to see how that would translate into the calling each of us has and the opportunity each of us has to live as witnesses for you, to be disciple makers, Lord, to be ministers with a a lowercase m, perhaps, in our culture, in our relationships. We pray that you would show these things to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't pretend like you haven't done it before. The pit check, we call it, don't we? In layman's terms, do I stink? Do I smell? Am I going to be offensive in my odor to those who are around me? We even have a product that hopefully most of us, at least uh, puberty and beyond people today, applied. It's called a D odor ant, right? And, and, and if you've applied that, probably the people around you are happy for it. If you, if you forgot, they might be impacted negatively. The reverse is true, isn't it? Maybe your spouse or a girlfriend or boyfriend comes into the room. They've got a nice fragrance on. Doesn't hurt the romance, does it? Most uh, men in our culture probably wouldn't uh, compliment or speak to another about their uh, particular uh, positive scent or their cologne, but you certainly can find ladies when a friend that's a lady walks into the room saying, hey, I love that new perfume you've got. It smells nice. It's, it, it's, a, it's a pleasing aroma. comes into my senses in a positive way. When you think about it, you and I are always giving off some type of smell, some type of aroma for good or for bad. And what the Apostle Paul is saying here on a spiritual level uh, correlates maybe to that on sort of the physical, personal hygiene level as he speaks about the gospel as something, the reality of who Jesus is planted in your life and my life, yielding a certain response. Now, the aroma of Christ 
is a good and pleasing aroma all the time. It's a pleasant perfume. But um, we, we all react differently to different odors sometimes and different scents. And, and so the Apostle Paul here today is really wanting to highlight to us how the, the olfactory, the, the, the smell, senses of different people are responding or might respond to the work of the gospel in our lives. And of course, he's going to acknowledge that, or, or he would acknowledge that we don't always exhibit the smell, the aroma, the fragrance of the gospel in the best way. We're going to talk about that a little bit today. So sometimes people are maybe repulsed from us, uh, not because of Jesus in us, but because of how we're acting, because of our sin and whatnot. But he tells us that even if we're living out and seeking to exhibit the gospel of Christ in our lives, people are going to respond in different ways. That's true of you and me individually. That's true of the church collectively. That's true of the messages that are delivered in the name of Christ from the pulpit. That's very true. So we're going to look at that a little bit today. And then the second thing that we're going to unpack is that Paul is also addressing uh, questions of the affirming or commending of his gospel ministry. And in particular, uh, how that ministry impacts those around him. And it appears that there's other people that are coming into the mix in that particular church body. Again, he's been gone for a little while. And they're speaking some things that are, are uh, different from the way he was speaking. And they're drawing their authority and their power to speak those things from a different direction as well. And the Apostle Paul is going to remind us today that really there's, there's one ultimate evidence of whether God is moving and working through anybody, me or you, who speaks the gospel. And that is, is it bearing fruit in the lives of others around us? How is it landing in the lives of others around us? Are they letters of commendation for us? Do you and I have letters that we are writing in the lives of those that are near to us as we seek to make disciples. So we're going to unpack all of that today, and maybe this main idea will help us to connect it. Uh, you can find a sermon note section in the back of your worship guide if you want to follow along. But just this, that through Christ, through Christ, we have confidence and commendation to minister with impact even in the face of opposition. Through Christ, we have confidence and commendation to minister with impact, even in the face of opposition. And so we've already touched a little bit on the reasons maybe that we need to hear this today. Again, we see in Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul saying that uh, God has given to the church, given particularly to pastors and teachers, the role of equipping the saints to do the work of ministry. So we want to think in that context today, and then we also want to just think about our church body. What does the ministry of our church body look like? So let's, let's unpack that first in the, the section we, we read first, chapter 2, verse 14, on down through 17. We've already seen that in the first chapter and a half or so of 
2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul's dealing with some questions, some challenges to his ministry, and certainly doesn't appear like everybody's on the same side, even in some of those challenges or questions, but there's, there's different responses to how he is ministering. And he wants to explain that uh, right off the bat. We could, could put it this way. In this particular instance, people seem to be saying, essentially, that Paul is a loser. Okay? They're saying he's a, he's a loser in his emphasis. And in contrast, they're saying they, there is available to you a perfectly satisfying and fully fulfilling life of perhaps uh, health and perhaps wealth and constant spiritual victory. That is available to you uh, right now and you should have it. There's no need to wait till heaven and let's not talk too much about the cross and the suffering and surrender of the gospel. Let's just focus on that message of triumph. We might call it triumphalism. And maybe uh, that's a message that, that we've wrestled through in our own lives. And of course, like all messages that resonate with us a bit, there's some truth to it. One of the realities of the gospel is that Jesus rose from the dead. That he comes and brings life-transforming power. That we ought to be expectant for that. And, of course, we know that if we seek to align our lives with the Scriptures and with God's Word, in a lot of ways, it, it, it often does help our life go better. You seek a positive, good friendships and relationships where you're showing biblical virtues, you're probably going to have better relationships than if you just ignore what the Bible says. You seek a, a, the, the biblical parameter for your marriage relationship and trying to build it that way, it's probably going to go in a positive way. If we avoid being a control freak and thinking we've got to control people and everybody in our lives and we entrust that to God, other people around us are going to be blessed. Our, our stress level will go down. We'll probably be a bit more healthy that way. If we seek to manage our money in biblical patterns, then often there will be further prosperity that will come. So the Apostle Paul knows that all of those things are true. That's a, a sort of triumph, if you will, of the gospel. But Paul also keeps talking about this uh, sort of challenging thing for the, sec the people in Corinth to hear about. And that is the cross of Christ. That the gospel is also going to bring with it struggle. It's going to bring with it difficulty. And in particular, he's going to highlight today in these verses that you may be living out the same kind of gospel faithfully, but some people are going to smell that, and they think it stinks. They think you stink because of that. And other people are going to find it to be the most delightful fragrance you could ever imagine. So the Apostle Paul wants to remind us today that the gospel has both that, that work of the cross and that work of resurrection. That it's not all peaches and roses, and then if we think that's the case... now. The triumph of the gospel is there, and we can taste it now, but it's not going to come to fruition until we see Jesus return or until we're in heaven. That's the mistake that some of these messengers are, are proclaiming to the folks in Corinth. Is they're saying, you're going to have it all, and you're going to have it all right now. And so Paul's message, he sounds like a loser. <laughs> you, you're telling me we're going to have suffering and a bit of struggle in the gospel, that everything we might not 
be able to work through all of our sin struggles in the way that we want to, and we might have setbacks. I don't like that message. I like the other message that the other people said, where it's all going to be great. Apostle Paul, you might say, puts it this way, and I think this quote's in your sermon notes if you want to read it. It's kind of a long one, but maybe it, maybe it helps us frame this up. From a guy named Paul Barnett, a commentary he wrote. He said this, he said, To some, the gospel is just a message about a defeated dead man, which they reject in the same way a person would recoil from the odor of a decomposing corpse. It's kind of an image there. These people are perishing as dead in principle as they perceive Christ to be. To others, however, the message about the risen Christ, which they receive in the way a person welcomes the fragrance of a beautiful perfume. These people are being saved. They are as alive in principle as they perceive Christ to be. All right, that's a, that's a neat way to kind of frame, frame that up. And then listen to the last sentence, because this is really important. It says, although being sinners, they're on their way to death, because we're on our way to death, all of us. Because of the presence of the Holy Spirit within their lives, they look forward to the life beyond death. So the question for us today is, uh, how do we deal with the responses that those around us have to the gospel? Uh, and maybe we can frame it up this way. First of all, are we thinking about the Christian life? The Apostle Paul paints this picture in, in verse 14 here. I never got to it. Let me actually read it. It says, but thanks be to God who leads us in the triumphal procession. What's he talking about there? He's saying there's these parades that the Roman leaders would lead when they would come in and they'd have their victory. And as you can imagine, they, they wanted it to be quite a display. So I'm sure there was you know, noises associated with it. You had the visual, visual presentation of a military march coming through. And, and we don't know whether the Apostle Paul is really saying he's led as a prisoner in that parade or he's led as part of the victors. It's, it's not entirely clear, but the, the message doesn't, isn't really affected by that. The fact is that they would bring with them, you know, incense, uh, swing incense with them. So it was a, like a multimedia display is the way we would think of it. See the soldiers, hear the soldiers, smell the soldiers. And people would respond depending on whether you were the conquered people or whether you were the victorious people to that smell. Right? The smell of that Roman victory would smell different to you. One, for one, it would smell really, really bad. And the other, it would smell really good. So the Apostle Paul's inviting us, if you will, to say, you know, the, the triumphal march that Jesus has for us is, is to walk in that parade, to walk behind him as our King and Lord. He's reminding the second Corinthian, the people in, in Corinth, they, they need to get behind Jesus and walk with him. And that Jesus's walk involves both victory and struggle. We know that because of the cross and the resurrection. So he's inviting them to that, and that is the first question for you and me today. Do we see ourselves as walking in this parade with Jesus, this victory parade, and do we recognize that that parade, although victorious, also is going to involve challenge, surrender, sacrifice that Jesus calls us to? That's the first question, piecing these things together. The second question is, how do we respond to the reactions that others around us have to the fragrance of the gospel in our lives. 
If you've been walking with Jesus for any period of time, and you've ever made any kind of attempt to communicate to another person the beautiful hope that you found in Christ, how God has taken hold of your life and my life, and poured out His blessing and told us that we're loved, even though we're sinners, even though we offend His holiness, and told us that we have purpose and given us truth. And you take that message that is so delightful and so refreshing to you and me, and you set it before someone, and they literally turn their nose up at it, to go back to our metaphor. It literally stinks. That's hard to recover from. Because it's not just a rejection of the message, is it? It's a rejection of you and me. We feel rejected by that. And so the Apostle Paul is reminding us here, you know, that's the way it is. In the world where God is sovereignly working, and some are coming today to recognize that gospel, and maybe some will come 10 years from now or 30 years from now, but others are rejecting it. They're responding in a different way. And he invites us to take courage from that, to be encouraged, to not be flat-footed when we we are rejected. And then I would say the reverse, to be reminded of how much we ought to delight when people around do receive the gospel. When they're given the sense to be able to smell it and, and enjoy it and delight in it, that we ought to rejoice in that. That's what the Apostle Paul's talking about, at least in part, in the first section of these verses. I hope we can take encouragement from that. The second thing he talks about is uh, the first one I guess we would have called a misplaced confidence. The second part is a misplaced or misdirected commendation. Okay, again, you got to understand the situation here. It sounds like there are folks coming in and you know they, they've got some sort of actual uh, paper letter that they're bringing with them. And the Apostle Paul established the believers in Corinth and helped them grow in the gospel. Is writing these books of Scripture that are inspired by God. But these other folks have these papers. And it, it reminds me of the trips that we take on the uh, mission trips down to Peru. Uh, it's been fun to be able to go there over the years and take medical teams. And uh, so thankful for folks from our church that have been able to go and our church body supporting that, that work down there. It's interesting, of course, every culture has some things that are kind of wacky. You know, that outside people would look at. They'd come and look at our culture and say, that's just kind of bizarre. Why are they so caught up in that? And the same is true when you go to experience another culture. It's just easier to see when you're from outside of that. So when we go down on these medical trips, a lot of times we will bring like thousands of dollars worth of prescription medicines that have all been, you know, we've maybe paid a fee for, but it's a discounted rate, and we're going to try to, you know, give those and bless the people of the country of Peru. So in general, they're interesting in welcoming that in. But when you show up at customs and you've got bags and bags full of prescription medicines, not surprisingly, the Peru officials want to take a look at that bag. What do you got in there? Where is that headed? What are you doing with all of those things? And the interesting thing is, is the, the way, or one of the key ways to get, get through there and get smooth, uh, smooth sailing is the missionaries down in Peru will email us a letter that's just from them. Again, they've just typed it up on Microsoft Word or whatever. And it says, we are delighted that these American emissaries are coming and bringing, you know, wonderful prescription medicines for the region of such and such. And we're so thankful for this. And this is going to help our country. And they email it to us. 
They tell you, print it out on some really, really nice paper. You know, go buy a piece of paper that costs like 50 cents or whatever and print it out on there. And then, I'm not lying to you, go to like Hobby Lobby or go to Sean D's office where the children's stuff is and get some little gold stickers, put some gold stickers on it, put some things that look like some stamps and whatnot, decorate it, make it look fancy, and you can be guaranteed they will receive that as an official letter and they'll send you on through. And we have done that. And it works. <laughs> wacky. Wacky to us, right? Here's what's happening in, in, in the Corinthian church. People are coming, and they've got, they've got some kind of piece of paper. They say, we're, we're here to tell you the, the, uh, the, the right message, right? We're here to give it to you, right? And the Apostle Paul gave it to you kind of off. We're, we're here to, to, to get it, get it uh, corrected. And the Apostle Paul's response to that is just pretty, pretty straightforward. And, and I guess I want to say this first. We live in a time where we probably need to hear this, this part of the message in, in two different ways. Um, we want to acknowledge that seminaries uh, in, in the past at different times, and even some seminaries today, would give a, a person like me a, a piece of paper, and yet those, those seminaries have actually a lot of times been way off track. That's happened throughout the history of the church in our country and in other places, and, and that, that paper's not really worth anything. We, we probably live in a time where we don't care all that much about commendation for ministry, um, especially, I would say, largely in the sort of non-denominational movement in our culture, there's the idea that just, you know, just as long as somebody get up there and speak about Jesus, that's fine. We're not concerned whether they've had any training and equipping. And it's, it's always interesting to me because most of us wouldn't go to a medical professional that we didn't know had some kind of training. We know there's good doctors and bad doctors, but we would, we would want them to at least have that baseline. And we wouldn't take our legal concerns to a lawyer that hadn't passed the bar or accomplished those things. So, so we want to keep that in our minds. So it's not bad to have some, I don't think it's bad to have some kind of commendation in that form behind our ministry. But what the Apostle Paul is saying is, you can have that all day, but what really matters is whether that translates to change lives, where the gospel ministry of Jesus is bearing fruit. And this is a reminder for us, not only as you think about being a church participant, and what are you looking for from the minister and the church leaders, what are, what are you expecting, and how do you evaluate that? But it's also really important for you and me as we think about what the Apostle Paul says here. So read, read these with me. We've got just a few more minutes. He says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again, or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? So Paul's walking a tightrope here. I, I don't know if I put this on your sermon notes, but it, it, it's put this way by one commentary. He says his dilemma, Paul's dilemma, was that he must either say nothing in his defense and allow the work at Corinth to be destroyed by default, or he runs the risk of the accusation that he's blowing his own trumpet. All right, let me tell you how great I am as a minister. Let me, let me commend myself to you. And yet he's got to address it. So what does he say? Verse 2, you yourselves are our letter of recommendation. What beautiful words these are, folks. Written on our hearts to be known and read by all. You are the letter from Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. What a picture 
for who you and I are, first off today. That Christ has written this work in our lives. He's writing a story of his redemption in our hearts. That's a beautiful way to think about what God is doing in each one of us. And then it's also a reminder, again, of what we ought to look for in terms of fruit from those that we seek to, to follow and put ourselves under the spiritual leadership of. What is the fruit of their ministry? What's the story in the lives of the people around them? And then thirdly, perhaps the, maybe the most significant way you, you and I can apply it, it's a real challenge to you and me. Because Ephesians 4 does say that you and I are to be equipped for the work of ministry. And so the question then is, what, is the, what are the letters that are being written in the lives around me? And this call that God's given each one of us to make disciples, go and make disciples, what, uh, what kind of fruit is that bearing? It's not going to look the same for each one of us, and we have different personalities and different ways that God's called us to, to minister to people, but it's, a, it's a, an invitation to think about that. How is the gospel work in my life writing letters in others as I seek to share my faith, as I seek to help make disciples with others? What is that fruit? That God is bearing. Well, in my college years, maybe I've shared this story before. I think it's been a while. I uh, this this is good. we're going to go Olympics today. We got to go Olympics. It's like the final weekend of the Olympics, so we'll wrap it up with this. Um, I had a Korean roommate, uh, first generation, my freshman year of college. And it's funny because they've you know, watching the Olympics in Korea and whatnot. They've done all these feature stories on different things about Korea and whatnot. I watched uh, one day they had like a 15-minute thing just on kimchi. And you guys probably know what kimchi is. It's this very um, spicy. It's like a fermented cabbage. It's, a, it's, it's put on like anything. To call it relish would probably not be quite the right thing. I mean, it's just used on all kinds of things in Korea. And, and so I had no idea about this until I moved in in college with my roommate, that little dorm room, two beds on each side. And we had, we had one refrigerator. I think he had brought, brought the refrigerator for us. One of those little dorm refrigerators, you know, maybe three or four times the size of this thing, but just pretty small. And, and so my, my roommate was trying to explain to me about the different Korean foods and whatnot. And, and he had this, this kimchi that I had never experienced before. And he, he had it, his mom had sent it with him, and she would regularly send a resupply of this, but this particular jar had been sealed, it's like pickled, so it had been all sealed up, it hadn't been opened yet. It was in like three Ziploc bags, and then it had like foil wrapped around it, and then inside of a plastic bag, and he put it inside of our dorm fridge. I had, I liked A&W root beer at the time. And I had a little six-pack of A&W root beer. That was the only six-pack I had in my college fridge. But I had that six-pack of A&W root beer, and, uh, and it, none of those cans had been opened. And one day I reached in that fridge after, you know, the kimchi was sitting in there for a few days, and those cans were, and I opened that can of root beer and drank it, and the liquid inside of the root beer can tasted like kimchi. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? That's pretty powerful. And now I see you all reacting because we're not in a Korean audience here for the most part. And so you all are like, ah, kimchi, I'm not sure if we were sharing that kimchi. Oh, kimchi flavored soda. Fantastic. Right? So it all depends. It depends on how we respond to it. But I thought about that in this passage. And I thought about the, the power 
the power of the gospel in our lives that hopefully in a positive way, let's pretend we like kimchi, is seeping, literally seeping into the lives of those around us and even producing in the lives of those around us letters of commendation. Letters that say not something great about us, but say something wonderful about what God's doing in the world and in the lives of those that he's put us into contact with. Let's pray.